Welcome to the Goodies Pirate Podcast. I'm Dave. I'm Richard. I'm Tom. And this is episode 30. This week talking about Invasion of the Moon Creatures, also known as Big Bunny and On the Moon with Big Bunny. First broadcast on the 8th of December 1973 on a Saturday at 8pm. Prime time, guys. So, before we get started, a little confession to make here on this one. It was watching this episode that I had the inspiration for doing this podcast. And in particular, when we get to our segment about what couldn't they get away with today, an incident I suspect we've all picked to talk about in that segment was the inspiration for that segment. Yes, I do remember having that yes, discussion. Out of which the idea of you could do a podcast about this stuff yes, all sort of came about. Yes, I so I remember that discussion. So this is a um, special episode for us all. Tom, what did you think? Uh, look... It's one of the pinnacle episodes of the goodies. You talk pirate radios, you also talk Big Bunny. Richard? Yeah, I really like this. As we mentioned, there are a few moments you, you couldn't do now. But uh, no, I really enjoyed this one. It's one I've always really liked. It was one that was on fairly high rotation, I think, for the ABC. Uh, yes. And I've always got a laugh out of this. Yeah, look, I, I agree. This is not just, I think, a good episode of the goodies, but it's a personal favourite for me. And this along with maybe something like Lighthouse Keeping Loonies, I would actually put up there as being almost template goodies, in that it's got that real mix of all three characters are doing something. It's got a lot of really good cultural references that they do when they're at their best. It's just got a lot of those really nice gags that come out of the plot or that come out of it. It's just sort of got everything you think of about the goodies, including some dressing up in silly costumes and, and some fun with film. Um, and yet a lot of film sequences, yeah. Yeah, so it really is. So, look, we'll get into it. I think this opens on a really strong note right from the start where they get Bill and Tim arriving and being asked for the password. Well, it's very much a cold open. There's no real um, setup or anything. It's just basically Tim and Bill come home. Yes. And, and suddenly Graham's turned the office into mission control. <laughs> yes. And the password is, of course, let us in, you great Nana. <laughs> that, that is correct. Correct. <laughs> And it just starts from there. They then talk about the British Lunar Project taking over from the US. So a bit of a factual thing here. The Apollo missions, of course, wrapped up with Apollo 17 in 1972. That's right. So this, this was literally the end of the US yep. mission. And the idea that the UK could take over was, I guess, very much in the zeitgeist at the time. Or, you know, there, there was that opening. But... Interesting, though, that Graham does specify that it was the government that asked him to do it. Yes, this so is a job. It is a job, absolutely. Nevertheless, the idea that Graham has just suddenly decided to run a space program... Out of the goodies office. Yeah, it just it just works, doesn't it? <laughs> no, they have their space program, and they're in the early stages, so they can't send people, so they'll send rabbits. That's right. Yes. Now, there's some very good stuff there with Graham showing them around and introducing him to the rabbits. Yes, um, and, and the fake animal cruelty. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, st it starts off with with a joke about, now listen closely, uh, if, and it goes through the whole equation, wriggle your nose. Yes. <laughs> and you see Bill in the background, and he, you can see he's just barely holding it together. Oh, Bill struggles all the way through this sequence, I think. Now, gentlemen, question for you. After 
Graham has shown off how smart Flopsy is, and he does the bit, wriggle your nose, all that stuff. Bill then launches into an impression that I must admit didn't register for me. Do we know who that is? No, I, I, my initial thought was maybe somebody like Magnus Magnusson. That, that was my guess. Who, who yep. was the host of Mastermind, but... But no, no, the actual person is Huey Green. From oh, yeah, the, okay. He was the question master on Double Your Money, which was aired between... 1955 and 1968. I think they made fun of him before because he was also the host of Opportunity Knox. Yes. Uh, I think one of the earlier ones. Yeah, no, it's a name that I'm, now you mentioned is quite familiar, so that's good. They then get into making sure the rabbits have been tested and are ready to go into space. Leads into a nice sort of physical comedy from Graham again. Yes, Liz, launching the first rabbit off the seesaw. Yes. <laughs> putting them in the high-velocity tunnel. Yes, and Bill, when he's... Trying to bat them Trying away. Trying to bat them away with the tennis racket. Again, he is very close to losing it at that point. <laughs> and finally, they test them for gravity by dropping a weight on them, <laughs> which is a very funny segment. And not cruel at all. No, not at all, no. because we all know they're fake bunnies. Well, and, that, and that's the thing. Like, there's, there's very obviously the very obvious live bunny that they have for some of it, and the incredibly obviously fake bunnies that they have for the other ones, including Flopsy and Spyro in their spacesuits. Yes. That <laughs> you just go out and just chuck in the command module quickly. Yeah, that's no right. right. That's right. Uh, they then get launched off into space, so they can do a whole riff here on 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is interesting because that came out in 1968. Yes, that's yes. right. So it's about five years old then, so that wasn't a cutting-edge contemporary reference, but clearly that was a, something that had very much sunk into public consciousness. And they clearly expect the audience to get. Yes. Yeah, and the audience clearly does as well. When you, when you play Alzo Sprach, Zarathustra, that's, um, yeah, clearly the audience know what you're doing. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Sadly, they lose contact with the rabbits, so they have to send somebody to go get them. Not wanting to treat other rabbits that way, it's going to be Tim and you Bill. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and look, there's a very good segment there as well where Graham says, oh, well, you know, you wouldn't want to stay, you know, and Tim's like, no, no, oh, God, I wish I was going with you. <laughs> oh, okay then. <laughs> <laughs> and look, that most cliched and obvious jump cut joke in all of comedy, the, no, I'm not going, never, never, cut, help, help. <laughs> <laughs> look, that's very funny. That whole sequence, gentlemen, on the rocket ship, is just gag after gag yeah, after is. gag. And must have taken a bit to film because clearly they're sitting sideways on a stage I, I, I or something. I think so. And it may even be on one of the rotating stages, perhaps, where they can sit there because they do a lot of the anti-gravity gags. Yeah, and it's, it's clear when the T comes out of the um, nozzle, nozzle mm-hmm. you can very clearly see that that's going in a particular direction, which is obviously the downwards way. Yes. Uh, so you can see how they're set it up, but I can't imagine that would have been comfortable. No. And, of course, we see the TARDIS. Of course, which is all the Doctor Who fans going, there's the TARDIS. <laughs> this is why we like the goodies. <laughs> yes, there's all that stuff. There's the way they finish every sentence with a beep. <laughs> which got tedious really fast and they stopped it, you know, not all the way through. No, but they did do just enough, like, you know, yeah. for example, help, beep, <laughs> which is really good. Yeah, so it's obviously been filmed at side. At the same time, Graham's getting to do a whole lot of stuff down at Mission Control. Yes, he is, including seeing Mr. Spock on television. <laughs> Push off, you! <laughs> <laughs> Again, reflecting that Trek was clearly in the consciousness in a way that we might not have expected in 1973. Well, so it still would have been, well, not novel, but because um, Trek, I don't think, showed in England until right at the very end of the 60s. 69. Yeah, there you go. They would have just gone through the three seasons and probably 
it was starting to take off, you know, because all the European countries, Germany got in 72 and all these okay. places, it was starting to pick up through the syndication rights. Yep. And then one of the probably most important references that they have in their series, a quick flick on to Monty Python's Flying Circus. Damn, Miss Moira Anderson. Python <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at that stage, because that would have been, it was before they did that, that sort of very short fourth season. Right. Because there's a fairly lengthy gap in Python between season three and season four. So Python at that stage really was, was probably, uh, to most people, was probably finished. Yeah, and of course, you know, the, the main link, of course, being that the three goodies worked with John Cleese particularly, yes. but also a few of the other Pythons, most probably most famously on, I'm sorry, I'll read that again, on radio, but also on various TV shows and radio shows. They interacted with a lot of them, been to university you know, with some of them. So, yes. Yeah. And of course, clearly there's a large overlap of the audiences there because that gets quite a cheer when when it comes in there. And as you pointed out, Tom, Graham nicely undersells it by, uh, (laughs) damn, I missed what I actually wanted to watch, being Moyer Anderson. Yes. So that was a nice little backhanded compliment to his old colleagues. But yeah, very funny stuff. They then arrive on the moon. Again, lots of gags here. There's the fishbowl spacesuit playing golf on the moon, which would have been very much something people were aware of because that's what the Yanks were doing at that time. Um, It was, I think. Shepherd, I think it was. Yeah, collecting moon dust, moon rock, and they have the rock gag and all that sort of thing. So it's interesting that it's such a beat-for-beat satire of the Apollo missions in a way that I think now will probably go over audiences' head. I think audiences know about the Apollo missions. They know about the first moon landing. But I think, you know, sort of those later Apollo missions have really faded from consciousness a bit. I, I would think so. Well, they were at the time. I mean, I remember Apollo 13 even in the movie, made that, which which was apparently factual, but they made that thing, they filmed all that stuff during the mission that they were never actually ever going to broadcast because the public were bored by it. Mm. They'd had the man on the moon and they'd seen the second man on the moon and now they'd, they'd moved on. Yeah. That sequence actually in the technical note, that lunar sequence was filmed, they went to a quarry at about three o'clock in the morning to film all that. That's why they get the nice black sky. Oh. And this thing and apparently was, uh, yeah, they were frozen solid apparently by the end of it. But I can believe that. Now, at this point, we have probably our one real guest actor, which is Ronald McLeod playing James Burke. Yes. Now, James Burke is actually a real person. He is. But they either didn't want to do this or wasn't available. <laughs> yes, or they couldn't afford him or something there. But he was a actual scientist slash consultant who made money on the side, basically being a talking head expert, I believe. Yes, he, he was their scientist, BBC science guy, basically. Which, of course, they made no allusion to saying, you know, James Burke simulation. No, they actually just had had Roland McLeod just taking him off, basically. Yeah, Yeah, Roland McLeod. Now, he's been in quite a few things that our listeners may remember. A couple of goodies by now, too. But, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but he also appeared in Ripping Yarns. Some others do have him. Uh, He did a recurring character in Grange Hill, believe it or not. Okay. And he was also in A Fish Called Wanda. Right. So... Genre credits fairly um, impressive there. Then, of course, we get a real celebrity cameo. Yes, the first of many from this man. Yes. And a real celebrity. Yes. And his real self. Yes, indeed. And he apparently, and of course, it's Patrick Moore. Yeah. Uh, yes, we'll just say we are talking about Patrick Moore. <laughs> yes, this is Patrick Moore. And apparently, look, he was, he was really happy to be approached and was more than happy to come on and, and send himself up. Mm. Um, and, and again, yes, he did it many more times for them. He did. And probably fair to say these days we don't quite appreciate just how big a celebrity someone like Patrick Moore was at the time. Well, he was very well known. I mean, the Sky at Night ran for, what, 50 years. So I guess he was really an institution. Considering they brought him back to Doctor Who in, you know, 2011. That's right. Mm. 
Yeah, so a very big name and a good get for them. And, and, and totally in context, it works really, really well. And the audience clearly appreciates seeing him as well, and they, that gets a good reaction. Now, at this point, the episode perhaps goes up a notch because they are captured by the rabbits. <laughs> yes, they do all the moon dust jokes and everything, and suddenly they look down at their feet where they've been for the last five minutes, and suddenly there's a vegetable garden. <laughs> and then suddenly a heap of rabbits. Yes. And then we are introduced to Big Bunny. <laughs> Graham at his best. Yes. Yes. Voicing. Now, again, another interesting cultural reference there, because clearly this is a reference to 1984 and Big Brother. Yes. But given that at this point, the most recent film of 1984 was made in 1956, because the 1984 film hadn't come out yet, the one with John Hurt. Yes. So this is probably in many ways more a reference to the book than to a movie, which perhaps reflects on the fact that the audience of 1973 was more literate than we would give an audience today credit for. Well, a lot of, a lot of us oldies uh, back then, it was required reading matter through your high school years. Yes. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and I think so, even if it wasn't, I think it's the sort of book you'd expect most people tuning into the PBC would have read 1984. Yes. Mm. So even without a recent movie, you can do references to it. And, and the audience I mean, you know, instantly gets who Big Bunny is and what they're doing. Having said that, they do become rabbits. Very, the, the brainwashing is very quick. <laughs> <laughs> look, it is, and it's very easy. But look, you've got to get in some good stuff in there. The rabbits doing the Star Trek theme is quite funny. Oh, look, I, I thought that was a really good little sequence. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What's up, Doc? <laughs> I can't do Bill Bugs Bunny. I can do Mickey Mouse. I can do Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Pluto. <laughs> so look, yeah, look, really enjoying this stuff. They get turned into agents of Big Bunny. Yes. They come back to Earth. Although, again, we've got all that stuff with uh, Graham at this point trying to convince the authority. This is not a loony. Get the police, the army, Jimmy Savile, anyone. There's a Jimmy Savile joke. Yep. Um, luckily, just as he's about to be carted away to the loony bin, or the funny farm, I think it is. Yeah, they, that's right. They put the box over his head. Loony, <laughs> handle with care. Um, I think, isn't that a single by the Travelling Wilburys? <laughs> All but the loony part. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, again, but just as he's about to be carted off, they realise that Tim and Bill are on their way back. Yes. And he goes to catch them in a bath of water. <laughs> Which, again, those bits and pieces there make to the opening credits later on. Yes, there's just that reaction where he pulls the glove off and it's yeah. the fur and he, has, <gasps> and he pulls back and puts his hand over his mouth. Yeah. Now, a question for you, because at this point... Graham takes Tim and Bill back to the office and they have a quick chat before they go on their rampage. Yes. There's a cut in there where suddenly Bill's holding a banjo for no apparent reason. Yeah, I'm not sure about that because my notes are that this wasn't edited here. So look, whether there was an edit... In the actual story. Yes, perhaps. Because one moment they're having a conversation, the next it cuts back to Bill and, and he's holding a banjo. Yeah, I'm not sure about that, to be honest. I noticed so, that too. Yeah, so it might have been cut for time or a, a, a gag that didn't work or something. Then they go on their rampage... I had the rampage, the rabbit rampage, as being a much longer sequence than it turned out to be. Yes, yes. My, my memory was that it went for a lot longer than it did. Yeah, no, for my memory, it's sort of the sec- whole second half of that episode. Because, again, I suppose my memory of it was that they meet Big Bunny far, far earlier, but there's a whole lot before they even get to the moon. Then they meet Big Bunny, and there's all That's that stuff. Right. And then, then there's more stuff, and then they get to the rampage right at the end. That's right. Which, of course, is the transistorized carrot. Yes. Rather well, than the clockwork orange. Yes, the clockwork orange is a bit of a big 
deal. I mean, it's always been a bit of a big deal, I think, in, in England, but it was at the time. It was released in 1971, the movie, and then it was withdrawn around the time this went out because there were ideas that it was promoting hooliganism and copycat. Oh, uh, Kubrick copycat actually clients. withdrew it himself. Yes, but it was because that they, they were afraid that they had been linked to copycat attacks on violence on people and hooliganism and that sort of thing. And it became a bit verboten in England for a long time. You, you basically couldn't see it. You couldn't well, until Kubrick died. died. Yeah. Well, even here it was very much a bit under the radar because I can remember being in high school and you know getting an under you know under the table copy from yeah. a friend of the Clockwork Orange. Like you couldn't just go out and buy it, no, even look, even in the nineties. No, we got an X rating when it was first shown here. Yeah, uh, in those days. But uh, I mean that that would have been early seventies. Now, given uh, the reputation that the Clockwork Orange has and what's involved in those particular scenes here, it's an interesting choice. For the goodies to go and riff it, it is. I mean, the movie is in some ways, and this isn't really a Clockwork Orange podcast, but the movie is in some ways a bit toned down from the book. The book is actually probably a lot more violent, and there is probably a lot nastier stuff in the book. Yes, and the movie actually changes the end message of the book as well. Yes, it will drops the entire last chapter. Yeah, the movie, mm. which which kind of changes it to the whole context of the yes, it does. the story. But as you say, it's not a Clockwork Orange podcast. No. Yes. So they're riffing on a Clockwork Orange, which is a movie that's all about violence and assault or at least those sequences i should say are very yes. much about violence and uninhibited assault and that sort yes, of thing they're going along and they're belting people with the carrots as they go down the street yeah so they're riffing on that at the same time they're doing a whole lot of jokes about the fact that rabbits breed like rabbits so you know rabbits have a lot of sex and they've got the sex yes. drive and everything so you see the stuff where two rabbits go behind a tree and seconds later out pops you know four or five baby rabbits yes the combination of those two jokes is that when Tim and Bill encounter a lady feeding some rabbits in the rabbit hutch, they then go and yes. assault well, slash... Well, it's very much implied, obviously, that they rape her. Yes. But the problem is she then, of course, gives them the cheery wave as they climb out of the hutch and yeah. take off. So... Well, I wouldn't say so much that's the problem as exacerbating the original problem, that uh, you probably shouldn't do a rape joke to start with. No, agree. To then have the victim smiling cheerily and going, thank you. Yes. <laughs> Look, that is the origin of our what you couldn't get away with today segment yes, because that the... just is just totally wrong. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's almost like the life of Brian. You know, you were raped? Well, at first. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, you know you it just... just doesn't go there. It, no, it's, it's no. It's not right. No, no. So... Yeah, that, that was the inspiration for our What You Couldn't Get Away With Today segment. Indeed, so. well, it was that, and, and, and there was a sequence in a later episode that we'll get to in a, in, in a couple of months. In a couple of months, that's right. So, look, again, given they've chosen to riff on A Clockwork Orange, you get what they're riffing on, but it's another example, and we spoke about this a few weeks ago with Superstar, where had it been done by... Again, I use the example, you know, Rick Mail, Adrian Edmondson, mm. that group of comedians in the 80s, you might have got away with it a bit edgy. Having it done by the goodies, it just feels completely wrong. Yeah, it feels it out of place. It does feel a bit out of character. And, and the thing is, again, as I said, this episode was uncut here, so basically the Australian census clearly didn't have a problem with it either. Yeah. Well, I guess, look, I mean, it is heavily implied. I mean, you can't miss it, but it is... No, but it's pretty obvious what's happening. It is, but... I don't think there's any implication there whatsoever. No. <laughs> well, well, there is in, insofar as they are inside the hutch and you don't see anything. You don't actually see what happened. No. I think it's pretty clear what's going on. Yes. 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 Yes, well, to control the rabbit rampage, 
Of course, they then have the idea of sending in the Queen's own Highland ferrets, <laughs> which is a series of blokes in ferret costumes. And, and kills. kills. Again, it works very well. Graham then almost goes into sort of Beatles-esque humour where he captures them inside the, the rabbit hole. Well, there is some quite good visual stuff there where they're running around on the sand dunes. I mean, it's yes. stuff they've, they've done before, but then they add the portable hole. Uh, which is a very a roadrunner joke. Yes. I, uh, I was actually thinking Yellow Submarine, but yeah, yes, yeah. a couple of cartoons have done it. Yeah. So, and Graham takes them back to the office where he has to turn them back into people. Yes. Which, again, doesn't take too long. No, well, you sort of obviously get the implication that that's clearly whatever conditioning they were given on the mood is starting to wear off and he's really just helping the process along. Yeah. And Big Bunny comes back. Well, then he offers he's going to serve them rabbit pie. Yes. Stop, stop. (laughs) (laughs) And Big Bunny is, of course, a normal bunny, not on a big screen. Yes. Except when it runs down the street. Yes, and they chase him down the street screaming dinner. Then there is a, and I'm assuming it must be this bit, there's an anecdote from the filming of this where they had the rabbit rigged up on wires in the street and a group of bikies came past and snagged the wire and, of course, the wires went across the set and nearly killed half the cast. (laughs) (laughs) They all sort of hit the ground, I think, but uh, one of them, I believe somebody was quite badly cut. Wow. um, Yeah, the wires have just gone, yeah. So yeah, look, that's, that's the end of the episode, but look, wall-to-wall gags, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, look, there's a lot of visual stuff in there. It, it, it's really, it is a real visual feast, I suppose, of visual gags. It is, and it's one of those examples of a very strong narrative that actually works its way through, and the jokes... Actually come from the story. Come from yes. the story. And there's a lot of subtle references, if you're looking for them. The landing of the spacecraft back on Earth is... In fact, referencing Escape from Planet of the Apes, which didn't come out. Oh, yes, that's right. Yes, of course, they take their helmets off, and instead of being humans, they're monkeys. Yeah, Mm. that's right. That's right. right. Yeah, Yeah, lots of little stuff like that. It's it's very, very cleverly done. You're right with the little visual stuff section there where they they lose contact with the first capsule, where Bill's reading Core comic. Yes, Yes. another reference to Core. Coming to the end of its run... It would have been by the time it was screened, but... When it was filmed, they would have been probably about midway through yep. uh, the, the, that uh, year's worth of publishing. And another example in this episode of just how far they've moved away from that concept of guest actor of the week, because the, the two guest actors that appear in this, you know, one of them is really only there because they need someone to do some you know, mission control stuff, and Patrick Moore is a cameo. cameo. So they're, they're really not doing guest of the week at all at this stage, and in a couple of weeks' time, we'll get to you know, when they completely dispense with that altogether. So you can see this direction the goodies is going in with that really sort of classic goodies format. Any other comments before we get to our segments, gentlemen? No, look, I mean, we sort of... The conversation's probably been a bit scattergun, but uh, no, look, this was a really funny episode. I really enjoyed watching this. Yes. Okay. Well, there are no ads this week. No, which uh, we're getting... Well, season four really is the last of the ads, but uh, no, there isn't any in this. So, tropes and firsts. I've got a couple here. Another Spyro Agnew joke, or at least insofar as the rabbit is named Spyro. Spyro, yes. Uh, Core Magazine, you mentioned, Tom? Yes, Core Magazine appeared again. Uh, Jimmy Savile, again, we mentioned in our conversation, gets another name check. And this is a goodies first, obviously, as we said, Patrick Moore. Yes, in one of many appearances. Yes. Probably the first time, is this the first time Tim's been absolutely thick? I I think, because he goes, 
triple suit. Yeah. It's four. It's four. It's four. Yeah. It's four. yeah. yeah. That, that was a bit interesting. That so, they made him just totally brainless at the start. At the start of it. He goes, yeah. Well, Saturn V Rock, Saturn five Rocket. I just suppose the two letters in that. Yeah, it's interesting. That that occurred to me particularly where he, he he's very proud of himself adding 2 plus 2. Yes. That was a very odd moment for me. Because yeah, you're right, I don't think we have seen him like that before. Whether it was just a case he just needed a line at that point. <laughs> uh, that's about the best. I've got my name in the credits, I'm writing a line. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the first reference to Monty Python in the series? Because there are more to come. There are more to come. And um, I think this is the first. We certainly haven't noted it before. No, no, you probably probably would be because yeah, there are there are more references to Python to come. Yeah. Okay. What couldn't you get away with today? Oh, so much. <laughs> well, I guess if we leave out the lady in the rabbit hush. Yes. It, it's interesting, actually. One note I did have at the very start of the episode. There's an I'm knackered that the ABC or the, the Australian Census had made a point of cutting prior to that, which he was left in. Mm. Um, so obviously the the censor guidelines have changed the other one i had was was bill shouting at the rabbit i don't know that you'd really be able to do that now yeah particularly Probably when he's he shouting its ear and he's shouting yeah and shouting in its ear i'm not sure you'd be able to do that now no yeah, that would that would upset the petter people yes it would um there's when they're going down the street and they stomp on the cat yes yeah a bit of animal cruelty here that i don't think you could get away yeah. with today no because i mean I, I suppose that there is a bit of a line between what you know is obviously just is set up as a joke to be funny yes. and what actually is a bit nasty. Yeah. And again, stuff they do to an actual clearly living, breathing rabbit yes. versus the puppet. Yes. Yeah, there's a really big distinction, but as you say, when he's shouting down its ear, that is the real idea. Yeah, I don't think you'd be able to do that now. Um, mm. Would you have a box that said Funny Farm on it these days? Probably not, and the bit where they hang the sign around his neck saying he's a loony. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you could really, because as I think it was... Uh, Rob, I think, pointed out one of the presidents, you're basically making a joke about you're mentally ill. Yes. Which, which yeah, you, you wouldn't do these days. It's not really part of the vernacular these days either. No, Looney, no. No. Favourite gags? Tom, do you want to start us off? Graham, go, go come to Dada. No, I've got a better idea. And just throws the box over his oh, shoulder. Oh, the rabbits, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fake rabbits. Fake rabbits. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's probably the standout moment for me. Richard? I had that. I also had probably the, the stuff with the rabbits at the start where they're, they've got them on, they're, they're firing them in orbit, or then they're firing them out of the high-velocity tube. I'm probably going to go for uh, the Monty Python joke, but more so the whole of Graham around that, because there's the whole build-up to it where he's being very spacey, and then he goes into his captain's log, and he's very serious, and then, oh, hang on, what's the time? Oh, and, you know, Monty Python's on, damn, I miss Moira Anderson. That... Look, it's hard to pick one joke out of this because it's just a continual flow yep. of them. And I think there's that many that really do stand above the flow. But that sequence with Graham is going to be my pick. Any other points before we leave? I did like the radio telescope too. Oh, yes, that was quite good. good. Uh, and an example, I think, of, again, how they just go for lots of little jokes that don't need to be there. Yeah. But they're there for the time. Oh, and you get to make a cultural reference there as well because it plays the opening theme to the arches. arches that's yes, right. That's and then, right. of course, he says, oh, now I'll never know what happened. And, of course, Bill gives him the plot of what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really good stuff. So I think it's fair to say we've all really enjoyed this episode. Next week, we'll be back with Hospital for Hire. Yes, we will. But mm -hmm. until then, why not take a walk in the Black Forest?
You've been listening to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, the Australian podcast that puts the good in goodies. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode or your thoughts on upcoming episodes. So please drop us a line by email at pirategoodiespc at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at at pirategoodiespc or find us on Facebook at facebook.com stroke pirategoodiespc. Goodies, goody, goody, yum, yum. Flopsy, why didn't you fly back to Earth like you were supposed to? You're a very Tim, naughty Tim, boy, Flopsy. Tim, you're talking to a rabbit. Flopsy, Flopsy, tell me, Tim. why are you playing all these silly games? Oh, it's a ruddy rabbit. Rabbits can't talk, you fool. Don't, Don't be, be too, too sure. Who said that? I did. Flopsy? Flopsy, no longer, my little friends. I am Big Bunny. Big Bunny? <laughs>